Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. How are you doing? Good. Well, and I'm doing well too, thanks. Um, I, I am actually, it's another one of those times when I am so thankful to be living in the border city. This week has been a beautiful thing to be on the border of Alberta rather than further into it. And um, so I am really, really happy to be here, and I'm glad that you're here with us this morning. And uh, it's really cool seeing Georgia playing and Naya singing last week and some uh, of our youth getting involved and and, um, helping us out with worship and so on. That is a touch down. And so today's already been just so positive uh, for me, and I hope for you as well. Let's just take a moment and uh, open in prayer here as we dive into the message portion, portion of the service. So if you would bow with me. Father, today we do stop and we say thank you again for the privilege of being able to come together. Um, Lord, I pray for those that aren't able to be here with us this morning. I pray that you would be with them and that you would continue to uphold them and um, uh, encourage them wherever they are today and as they even tune in uh, from across the country and uh, as they tune in even at different times. Uh, So just thank you for um, being with us, being our God. Uh, Thank you for the chance that we have now to turn to your word and to look into it and to understand it better, Lord, and then to have you help us to apply it to our lives. So I would pray that by your spirit again that you would come and that you would work, that you would help us to do that, that each week uh, that we would be able to Uh, take this time to focus on you and that it wouldn't just start here and it wouldn't just stop here, but that it would be a part of the process of you working in our lives day by day and that this would change us as we go forward, that we would be different people uh, uh, tomorrow than we were today. So to that end, again, I pray these things all in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Well, we're in week two of this series called Help, I Need Somebody. It was built around the whole uh, Beatles song idea, Help, I Need Somebody, not just anybody, I need you. And so we are looking at the idea that we need each other. We need each other in our faith, that without one another, that we are at a severe disadvantage And so we started off by looking at this whole idea last week, and and, um, we're going to continue on with it today. And our objective in this series, and not just in this series, but actually into our whole ministry year, is that we would be growing in our eternal perspective, which is to say that we would be coming to see the long view, that as we look at ourselves as individuals, that as we look at our relationships with our families or our spouse or or what have you, as we look at our church, that we would be getting better at seeing and then living out the long view, which is to say 
that we would better understand and know and live out God's perspective, his values, his principles, his priorities for us. So to that end, we want you to get in the habit of asking a question of yourselves through the rest of the day, through this week, on day by day going forward. How, how am I doing with the long view? As you look at your relationships, as you look at your circumstances, as you look at your plans and your priorities, I w- we want you to be asking, is this the long view? Am I taking the long view? Or am I settling for the short view? And we want that to be a trigger for us, that we would just be remembering it regularly so that we could be evaluating at how we're doing. Are we moving forward God's way? Or are we reverting and diverting back into our own ways and our own objectives, etc.? So, we are convinced that this is a good idea because we believe without a shadow of a doubt, that as we take the long view, as we grow in understanding the long view and then walking in it, that we will experience God in our lives, that we will recognize him more and more working and participating with us as we live out our lives. So last week was a foundational piece to this whole plan. As we looked at the whole idea of loving one another, we looked at the fact that we can't do anything without including loving one another as a part of the foundation for the long view. If we're not including that in who we are, if we're not loving one another, then then the rest of it just falls apart. So we have to be loving one another. Now this week, we're going to start and break that down a little bit more specifically so that we can understand better how to be doing that in our lives. So specifically then for this morning, we're going to be looking at the long view, if you will, that God calls us to as the Apostle Paul articulates it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. There he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now, It follows that if we are called to love one another, and if we are in fact loving one another, then we will be encouraging and building each other up. In fact, encouraging and building one another up is how we love one another. It's one way that we demonstrate that to the world around us. Now, as simple maybe as that seems, we have to stop here and take a closer look at this so that we don't rush past it, thinking that we understand what Paul is driving at. We can so quickly come to that simple little verse, encourage one another and build each other up, and think, oh yeah, got it, next. But we need to understand what Paul's driving at here. It would be easy to conclude that what he's saying is that we should be complementary to one another. That we should be positive with one another. So that as I come to you, you know, and I see you doing something well, I say, hey, I could say, hey, 
you're doing a great job there. And that that would be building you up. Or I could come to you and I could encourage you by saying, keep at it, you can do it. And that that would be then accomplishing what Paul's calling us to. That would be encouraging you. And those are good things. We need to be positive and we need to be complimentary for sure. No doubt about that. But what Paul is driving at here, what he's speaking about specifically, are two things well beyond being positive and complimentary. What he's calling us to here this morning is namely that we would be encouraging one another according to our faith. That we would take our faith and that we would then come alongside one another and help each other to persevere in our circumstances, in our situations, according to that faith, according to what we know is ours in Christ. And what's more then, he's calling us to build each other up in the faith, which is to say that as we come together, that we would take that opportunity not just to hang out, which is great, and we can do that, and we should, but that we would take those opportunities and we would use them far more constructively than just for our re- ed- uh, fellowship and just for our, for our recreation, but that we would build each other up in the faith. Now, that doesn't mean that we always have to have a Bible study. Don't hear me. Don't get all excited. But that as we talk with one another and as we see where one another is at, in our thinking and in our understanding of our faith, that we could then come alongside and build on that and help each other grow in our faith as we get together. So Paul is looking for two very specific things here, and they're both concerning our faith, that we would encourage one another to understand our life and to persevere in our life according to what we believe of Jesus Christ. And also then that we would grow in our faith so we want, he wants us to be doing those two things. Now, in this particular passage, Paul is encouraging the church in Thessalonica in a very specific way. He's encouraging them that they should be assured that those who have died already before the return of Christ, before the second coming of Jesus, that they haven't missed out on anything. All right, There seemed to be some sort of a concern that was circulating at the time. It's probably one of the reasons we can tell that this was an early book written to us, because this would have been a question that would come up quite quickly in the church. Well, what happens if I die before Jesus comes back? I miss out. I'm not here when he arrives. So I don't get to be a part of what happens. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Don't, don't get bogged down there. Don't, don't be discouraged. Be assured that your faith, even though you die, will carry on as Christ returns. And he goes on to unpack that even further, giving them confidence that even if we die before Christ's return, that one day when he does return, we will be raised with him and to him for eternity. All right, and so, so that's specifically what he's talking about here. We don't forfeit that as we die before Christ's return. So Paul encourages them according to the faith, and then he grows them. He builds on that. He explains it a little bit more. He unpacks it a little bit more fully for them. So he's practicing what he preaches right there. 
And then he calls us beyond that. Then he calls us to engage in the same thing that he's doing for them. That we would encourage one another in the same way going forward. Now, as we look at this really quickly, we can see a couple of things. Number one, we can only encourage people in the faith as much as our faith goes. As big as our faith is will be the limit as, as, as to how much we can encourage others. So we need to grow in that ourselves, right? So we need to be aware of that. Also, we need to recognize this morning that this directive that Paul was giving to the Thessalonians, it wasn't just specifically to them. And what's more, it wasn't just in regard to this one issue. It wasn't just about the second coming. We find that this is unpacked throughout Scripture in a number of different places. That we are all called to do this. It's a general directive to us all, not just the Thessalonians. So and if you need some other examples of that, come and talk to me and I can, I can help you <clears throat> find those things. Paul points it out. Paul uses this so often in terms of us building the church throughout his his writing. So we need to understand that it is for us as well, and it is not just in regard to this one issue, but in regard to our faith as a whole. So we need to be aware of that. We need to be then strategic about that. We need to be diligent in doing that. One of the other places that we find this, and you'll recall, is in the book of Hebrews that we just went through. So I want to point out two spots here in the book of Hebrews where we see similar encouragement to us from the writer there. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Let's start there. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. There the writer says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So here we see something that we need to understand. We, we, we need to keep in mind, to be conscious of, cognizant of going forward. The antidote here, offered by the writer for, a, for avoiding a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God is encouraging one another in the faith. That is one of the ways that we combat that for one another, which is to say that I need to understand today that if I am not involved in that, if I am not in including myself in situations and circumstances where that can happen, that there is a danger for me to turn away from the living God. All right? There's a a danger for me personally. I need to also understand that if I don't include myself and if I don't engage in that myself, there is a danger for that to happen to those around me as well. So one way or the other, I trust this morning that we will be motivated towards this goal out of either fear for my own well-being 
and or out of concern for those around me, that that would then resonate in my heart and in our minds today so that we would change the way that we go about our lives in order to avoid that happening. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Now the writer unpacks it a little bit further in a different way here. It says there, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You'll remember that when we, when we talked about this going through Hebrews, that spur one another on can be better understood as provoke one another. That we should be so intentional, that we should be so diligent, that we should be provoking, that we're not trying to just be nice all the time. We should be trying to do it nicely. But if nothing else, that we would provoke one another towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, as we read these verses, we need to take note of something here as well. The the, the writer of Hebrews calls for our consideration of how to accomplish this idea of building and encouraging this mutual edification, if you will, for one another. But then he weighs in specifically here in regard to our meeting together. And the implication being that if we are not meeting together, that if we are not finding ways to accomplish that, then we are less likely to encourage and build up one another. That without the one, that there's a greater chance of failure in the other. And as I think about this, I can't help but agree with the writer as I look at my own life, as I think back and consider the times when I have been distracted or started to drift, if you will, away from getting together with my fellow believers in different formats, that I take a hit. I can see it in my life that I'm not as diligent even in my devotional time. That I can become more despairing about things. Even this week, even this week, on Thursdays, we meet together as a staff to pray. And we'd just seen a bunch of stuff happening, coming down. And I was not in a good place as far as optimistic about church and what we were going to be able to do or not going to be able to do, etc., etc. We came together to pray. It was like in that hour that we met, things changed for me because I was together with some guys that spoke into my world a little bit and just reminded me about our faith. So as recently as there, what happens when we get out of the, out of the habit of meeting together, when we get out of this place where we can come together and speak into each other's worlds, at least I believe, that then we are more prone to being discouraged, more prone to being distracted, 
Or in other words, what we do is we lower our view to the short view. We lower our eyes down to the short view. And every time that happens, it comes at a cost. Every time it comes at a cost. There is not neutral in our faith. You've heard it before, but man, it is so true. Don't just dismiss it because it's common. We're either moving forward or trust me, we're moving backwards. We can't just hang in limbo. And I don't think I'm alone in that. But what's more, if I can be so daring, I would venture to say that COVID has demonstrated that for us in spades over this time. Now, obviously, COVID has made it more difficult for us to get together as we've had different restrictions and and so on and so forth. So I'll concede that right off the hop, and I'm not even arguing that. And there are legitimate reasons for that. That's why I wouldn't argue it. Practically, common sense, some things that we can do that make sense, and so I'm not going to dispute that this morning. Not calling it into question. But beyond that, well beyond that, I think that COVID has served to make meeting together less important for us. For many of us, at least. It's restricted us from getting together. But I believe that it has made getting together less important to us. There was a time when I thought that COVID might be the impetus that the church needed. To see God. To recognize our need for Him. Up against something that we couldn't control up against something that was bigger than us. But sadly, I think I've been proved very wrong in that. As the church, as we as Christians, have just more or less conformed to it and actually, if you will, leveraged it for our own purposes, for the short view. It's led to us Adopting the short view, not being spurred to the long view by any stretch. Why do I say this? Well, I'll give you four reasons. Attendance is down. Giving is down. Serving is down. Participation in small groups is down. And that's in FBC, but it's not just in FBC. That's across North America. And what's more, that even as restrictions have lifted, these things haven't come back. They're not bouncing back in the same way that it was prior to the pandemic. Now, why is that? How come? And again, I'll concede, there are some legitimate reasons as to why that's not bouncing back or why that happened to begin with. But again, well beyond that, 
I am convinced that it is symptomatic of us gravitating towards the short view of comfort and convenience. That it has facilitated, that it has been a catalyst to us adopting a short view where we evaluate our circumstances, where we evaluate things according to my comfort and my convenience. And or that for some of others of us, and again, a considerable segment, that COVID has served as a huge trap for their discouragement. And in that discouragement that they have lost the motivation or what have you to get out and get together and connect and, and so on, to carry on, in the faith, if you will. Online options, because we couldn't attend church, have become comfortable or convenient options so I don't have to attend church. Not attending church means conveniently that I don't have to serve. Not coming to church doesn't serve as a reminder that I should be giving. And participating in a small group, I think for most of us, or a lot of us, a considerable number of us, is a secondary thing anyway, because never in, the, in my Bible do I see small group. And so it's become a legitimate option then to just forfeit that going forward. And so as a result, this idea of coming together to encourage and build one another up has been abandoned in large part. And even when we come together now, it isn't for the purpose of encouraging one another or building each other up in the faith but rather it's for recreation. It's just for some sort of a cathartic release from these restrictions. Which is, again, just me looking at it from the short view. Not that it's bad. And this morning, honestly, I recognize, I recognize that right now I am squarely in territory where I could be defined by or accused of being legalistic. But I'm not. I'm not legalistic. Rather, I am appealing to you on the basis of Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 10, chapter, 20, or chapter 10, verse 23. There Paul says to us this, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, again he quotes, but not everything is constructive. So yes, this morning, watching church online is a legitimate option. And don't hear me, those of you especially that are online this morning, I'm not just castigating you all 
as inferior, secondary, second rate, whatever. Don't, that's not the point. It's a legitimate option in some cases. We can do it. That's a freedom that we have. But I am arguing this morning that it is not wise. When you could be together with other believers. Do we have to be in small groups? Nobody is going to go to hell because they weren't in a small group. You heard it from me first. Don't need an email. All right? But I'm telling you, it is not wise for you to try and go through your week and your life without other believers around you speaking into your world and for you to speak into them. It's an option. We're free to do it. But Paul argues that it's not smart. And kids, church family, sorry. I didn't call you trolls. That's when I'm really talking to my kids. we got to be smart. And I'm afraid that we're not. we got to be smart. The long view makes it clear. The long view makes it clear that our faith is about far more than just ourselves. We need to understand that. We need to get that factored into our equation. What's more? In the long view, the faith that we are called to in Christ, we find a faith of self-denial and sacrifice. So if your faith is not calling you somehow to be self-denying and or sacrificial, then I'm wondering what faith you're following because I've got questions about whether it's the faith of Jesus Christ. When we look at things from our perspective, when we follow them just according to our convenience and our comfort, then I'm telling you that's the short view that's taking you away from what Jesus is calling us to. And that is not to say, that is not to say this morning that our faith is a faith of doom and drudgery. Because our faith is a faith of great, it's the faith of the greatest reward both now and for the future. Don't miss out on that. But hear me this morning that our faith does not come without a cost. And so as that being the case, then it will come as a challenge. A challenge that we have to stand up and measure ourselves against and work towards. And it means then, that we have to be intentional and diligent and intelligent in how we go about that so that we can accomplish what Paul calls us to, what Christ calls us to in encouraging one another in our faith and building each other up according to our faith as well. In other words, in taking the long view. Now this morning, what happens if we don't? What happens if we don't take the long view? Where do we end up? Well, I'm reminded, as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of Christ's words to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. There he says this, 
to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen. That's the, these are the words of Christ, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, cold, nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. This morning, too often we read this passage and I think we come away with the wrong understanding, the wrong interpretation of it. We look at that and we say, well, God's calling us to be either hot or cold, that he wants us on board or off board. And I I don't think that that's a a fair interpretation at all. Jesus doesn't want you off board. He wants us all on board. That's why he came. So I think we do a disservice when we accept or allow that interpretation of this passage. The better interpretation, I believe, comes from Rudwick and Green. They proposed this a while back. It's gaining momentum now as people are starting to look at it, study it a little bit more. And it was based, their understanding of this passage, their, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're, they're offering that we would understand it in terms of the water situation in Laodicea, which was well known at the time. Now, you need to understand a little bit here. Laodicea was situated between a town called Heropolis and then Colossae, uh, Colossae or Colossae, the Colossian church. So, Heropolis up here, Colossae down here, Laodicea kind of in the middle, if you will. And Laodicea was known and it was understood for its lukewarm water. The water was brought in from some miles away by aqueduct. And it wasn't good water. By the time it arrived there, it was tepid. And it was known to have problems. It wasn't great water, such that it was understood by many that when people would arrive and take a drink of water, they would spit it out. Like, what on earth is this you're serving? But, Herop, or, but Laodicea was on a, a major economic trading route. And so the city built up. The city grew there because of the economics, not the water. At the same time, Heropolis up here was known for its hot springs that were used for medicinal purposes. It was about six miles away, if I understand it correctly, from from Laodicea. And then down below, Colossae, or Colossae, or however you say that word, was known for having cold, refreshing drinking water. And in comparison then, in stark contrast, if you will, Laodicea was known for neither. It didn't have the hot strings that were medicinal. It didn't have the cold drinking water. And so, as Christ looked at the people of Laodicea, the church there, he says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. That you would either bring healing or refreshing life to those around you. They were neither. Jesus comes along and he says, I wish that you were like Heropolis up there with medicinal purposes, that you would be like hot, the hot pools there, the hot water there, 
that, seen, that soothed people's illnesses, aches, pains. Or that you would be cold and refreshing like those down in Colossae, the water there. That you would bring refreshing and encouragement to people in their lives, but you're neither. You're lukewarm, you're tepid, and as a result, I'm going to spit you out. I can't help but suspect that as we hear those words to the church in Laodicea, I can't help but suspect that they had long since fallen out of the habit of loving one another. They had long since fallen out of the habit of getting together and encouraging one another and building each other up in the faith. And that now they were just doing life. They'd become lukewarm and tepid. Useless for the faith, for the sake of the mission that God calls us to. This morning, We have to ask ourselves, how are we doing in the long view of getting together to build each other up and encourage one another according to our faith? How, how am I doing at that? And not just in, terms of, just in terms of getting together, but can I ask, like, when you get together, what do you talk about? Where do you go? We have to be diligent. We can't afford to compromise. We can't just sort of opt in and opt out of this. One of my trolls is, is in the habit now of going to the gym. I won't mention which one. I probably should because it's not very obvious. I'm just needling him a little bit. But this dude, it's kind of changed his world. We've got more product supplements all over our counter. We've got various forms of athletic gear. He's got special shoes to go to the gym in on top of all kinds of other shoes. They litter our back entrance. He's got straps. He's got belts. He comes home from the gym. He's got a gym bag, and he's got water bottles and everything. And, and this going to the gym thing is serious. And he goes, every day save one has a, has a rest day. Oh, that we could be as dedicated to our faith as that. I pray that my kids will be as dedicated to their faith as that. And here's the thing. Contrary to what I've just said. I recognize the fact that he's gone to the gym. When I see him, there is no doubt in my mind that he's gone to the gym at this stage in his life. Church family, as you and I dedicate ourselves and are diligent to getting together, to build one another up and to encourage each other in the faith, then we will look different as God's people. We will be different people and it will be obvious to one another and to the world around us and God will use us Whoa, -oh. God will use us to reach others for him 
Let's pray. Father, this morning, once more, God, I plead with you that by your spirit that you would work in our hearts, that you would help us to hear you today, that as your people now that we wouldn't just hear and forget, that we wouldn't hear and ignore, that we wouldn't hear and debate, but, Father, that we would hear, understand, and do as you call us to. And I pray, God, that as we take steps towards that, that you would reward us quickly with evidence of how that is making a difference in ourselves, in our relationships, in our families, in our church, and in our world. And I ask this again in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. Thank you very much for coming and being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.